Welcome to 321 Go the Podcast. I'm John Pelkey. And I'm Carissa Galloway, and we're bringing you stories from start to finish to keep the everyday athlete motivated to keep moving towards the next finish. All right, listeners, we have a treat for you today. We've had such a great time with Perfect Disney Marathoner Chris Twiggs on the last episode that we just talked, frankly, for too long, which can be a problem with you and I. Sometimes we lose ourselves in the exuberance of our own verbosity. We want to bring you all of that interview and a little chat. So here is a shorter, sweeter version of 321GO. All right, folks, it is a very, very exciting day for one of the podcast hosts, and it's not me. Carissa, do you have some special news or anything special about the day that you would like to share? Yes, and I was thinking of something sarcastic to say to kick that off, but I don't have it. But what I do have is that today is the day you can officially get your hands on my very first book. Uh, It's so exciting. What? What? Yeah. You've written a book. I'm a registered dietitian in real life, John. Did you know that? <laughs> I've, I've been told that. People, people email me that information from time to time. They do that. Well, I have to ask you, as a, as a college English major who thought he had a great novel in him and really needs to hurry that up if it's, if it's uh, going to happen, how does it feel to be a published author? Because all kidding aside, if I ever saw a published book with my name as the author, I would probably break down and weep for the better part of a decade. Yeah, I think it's it's pretty surreal. So I had always, as you said, like I think all of us would love to be a published officer. Like that's something that we want to do. And as a dietitian, I had that on my radar. And so I was fully in the, you know, the goal box of like, I'm just going to self-publish a book. Well, I had the opportunity through Meyer & Meyer, which is a great sports-specific publishing company, to write a book with Jeff Galloway. And so what we brainstormed and came up with was a little riff on his run, walk, run method called run, walk, eat. And so now that I have the actual book in my hand and it's, John, it's a real book. It's not like the ones you made in school where we put that little spiral thing behind it. I mean, it's got, (laughs) to see it for real is crazy because we finished it about a year ago, last October. Right. And then we they wanted to hold it to release it at the end of the year, going into that new year, new you trend. So to actually see it, uh, and Weston was slipping through it. He's like, you wrote most of this. What did my dad do? <laughs> I was like, no, Jeff, there's there's a, there's, there's good nuggets um, from Jeff in there, but it, it's really cool. All right. Again, it's called Run, Walk, Eat, a little play on the Run, Walk, Run. Uh, Can you give everybody sort of the elevator pitch overview of what it really is about uh, outside of run, walking, and eating? Yeah. So when you get it, you're going to be front and center with how I coach people with nutrition, and that's education, because I don't believe that anybody can make those sustainable, long-term, better nutrition choices that really are, like I said, sustainable that will work for you without a nutrition education. If you don't know what a fat is, what the carbohydrate is, what a protein is, what fiber is, and why you need it. So if you listen to the podcast, you're a little bit ahead of the curve because that's what I try to do here. But it's education-based, and I think about it this way. When I first started running, thought about doing a marathon, it was like, well, run 26.2 miles. You and I were up there on the stage. I was like, well, that seems like that's, that's super far. No, you know, hard pass. But then I met Jeff Galloway and it was like, you get to take a walk break. Okay. I can run for two and a half minutes. I can do that. So originally when I was brainstorming books that came the idea of eat, cheat, repeat with the concept of that. Yeah. What do you think about that? You like that? 
Uh, <laughs> uh, mine would be eat, cheat, repeat, 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 repeat cheat, the cheat, cheat part. Cheat. But yeah. sure, sure. Uh, so I love must, it, actually. But it's the concept funny. was that you don't have to have a perfect diet. And when you have that cheat meal, you don't have to give up and say that you failed and have those negative emotions that come with food. If you have the nutrition education, you can be empowered to be like, hey, do you want pizza today? I do want pizza today. And then you wake up the next morning and you had the pizza, you enjoyed the pizza, you go back to that nice Greek yogurt with chia seeds and berries. Does that make sense to you? It does make sense to me. And really, it, it led to some questions th- that I have. So if you don't mind, I'm going to Mike Wallace you a little bit. There's a reference that I probably should have well, made. Uh, at, I didn't know. I didn't know this was coming. Now I'm Yeah, nervous. I just know about uh, people and, and eating habits because there's so many speed bumps you can run into even when you're trying to eat healthily. Processed foods, obviously, we've talked about that on episodes before, that processed foods are a problem. Portion control for Americans. I, uh, As I mentioned before, we have very, very close friends in, uh, in England who live in London, and they're amazed when they come here at just the size of a portion. Um, eating uh, at the at the wrong time of day, how you space out your meals. It, it, I, I, again, I'm going to put you on the spot with this. What do you believe, in what order do you see people most running into those problems? I mean, my guess would be portion control. And then, of course, again, um, processed foods. Shop on the outside aisles, folks, not the inside aisles in, in, a, in a grocery store. But what do you see as the thing that people run into the most? Uh, I definitely think it is a lot of portion control because, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, my daughter last night, she actually said this, what we were eating bread and, and she said, bread makes you fat. And so we, of course, at the day we had a whole discussion about, well, no, mommy's had, you know, an English muffin and, and then she had a sandwich for lunch. Bread doesn't make you fat. Too much bread makes you fat. Too many apples make you fat. You know, and I don't, shouldn't use the word fat, but like they can cause weight gain over consumption. So if we kept our foods the same, Aside of health benefits and ate less, left three bites on our plate, didn't go back for more, halved our takeout, we're most likely going to lose weight if that was our only goal. So I think portion control and the portions we serve ourselves and the portions we're given are just entirely too much. So if we're not conscious about what we're doing and how much we're eating and how often that happens, I think that is one area that contributes to whether it's it's weight gain or whether it's just not being at an overall healthy diet. The other thing I'll say is we don't think about what we're going to eat and what we're going to do. And I always make this analogy. If you're going to run a half marathon or for you a 10K, you have a training plan. You've set this up. You've looked ahead. Most of the mornings we wake up, we don't think about what we're going to eat in the day, or we didn't think about the week before, how do I set myself up for success? And maybe as busy professionals, busy parents, we get in a day where I've gone and I've done all this and I've barely been home and I get home, I don't have anything to eat. So I'm just reaching and grabbing for something. And in that moment, we make a choice that's not as healthy because we're hangry or we've rationalized. I've had such a long, busy day that I can eat whatever I want. So I think that the planning and the prep, even if we just think through dinners, maybe you can circumvent some of those problems. So at that point, they don't have to be a willpower control. Like, oh, my kids eat McDonald's and I've got to not have any, not have any, not have any, um, where it can be a conscious choice or it could be a, oh, well, they're going to go to McDonald's, but I know that I've already prepped ahead some meatballs and some broccoli at home where I had that before. So those would be the two areas I think that we can be more conscious of and an awareness can lead to better choices without putting the negativity on ourselves. Like I've made bad choices. I eat bad. I can't lose weight. I'm this and I'm that. I don't want people to have negative emotions associated with food. 
And yeah, that's and part weight of shouldn't why. be the fun. Health is the is really because weight change. And we've you know the the simple thing about muscle weighs weighs more than fat. So you you know target weight may not be there if you're doing all this uh, uh, heavy working out. I do want to mention this too as somebody who you know struggles with my greatest uh, failing is my I don't exercise enough and I'm trying to up that game and that's why I'm going to be running a 10k and all those sort of things. But a couple of things that my wife and I have have done uh, smaller plates. Don't use the big plate when you're, we're putting a plate together when you're eating it. It will help your portion mm-hmm. control. Um, and maybe eat a little more slowly. I know that the trend in schools were, and I know this is where I started eating really fast is the classes were 55 to 60 minutes long and lunch was 35 minutes long and you're just rushing through it. Um, but also something to keep in mind. And we found this because we do plan our meals out through the week. Uh, as I, I I've talked about, uh, before, uh, the, we, we do a couple of vegetarian meals a week, some meatless meals. But it also helps the wallet if you plan it out, as opposed to just going to the store and saying, oh, I'm going to buy some stuff. Well, we have to go oh, grab some of this, that, and the other thing. If you've planned your meals out, you will spend less uh, over a period of time because you're just not impulse buying. And then, of course, the the old adage of uh, never shop hungry is like a really, really big one. Um, but there, yeah, those things that you can do, I, I, I couldn't agree more that that you you will help yourself at least incrementally get a good start on your on on your diet. Now, how about purchasing the book? How would one go about this? Do they have to show up? At the uh, Galloway household, and uh, will you sign it and hand it to them? Or I assume there are other places that it can be purchased. Yeah, it's been available for pre-order, but now you can actually, you know, buy it. It'll get shipped to you. So it's online at all the major book sale, uh, book retailers and things like that. If you use Rakuten, I think thrift books, maybe you're going to get an extra 2% back. It is on Amazon. However, publishers have let us know that Amazon doesn't track sales the same way that booksellers do. So if you could take the extra time and you want to buy it, do it from a traditional bookseller online, and that's going to help support the book getting in more hands. Uh, it's also on shop.jeffgalloway.com, and you will well, we put in the book notes, uh, the show notes, how to do that. And then if you purchase it on there and you put a little note, I can actually sign it for you, uh, send a message to you, ship it out. And then we're working through the details, but Jeff and Barb and all of them have a booth at the Wine and Dine Expo, so we're going to find a time. I can't set it yet because Claire is a gymnastics meet that weekend that I am just crossing every finger and toe. Is not this not start at 8 a.m. But so once we know when her gymnastics meet is, then um, I'll plan a time, maybe probably Thursday or Friday, where I will be there selling the books and autographing them. But thank you for the support. It's really surreal. Um, on one hand, I want to be like, I don't even care who buys it. I wrote it. I'm an author. <laughs> like, I know. And, you know, and but John, just, I'm a little offended just on this this level right here is that, uh, a, a, as people know, my bio is still not on the website, and I promised that I would write one of those for that, but I absolutely hate that. But yours is now a uh, registered dietitian and published author, and mine is pudgy show host. So I don't think that that necessarily – I'm going to have to up my game and do something. I don't know that a book is in my future, but good if I could get a short story published or something, perhaps I'll – Perhaps I'll shoot for and that. And Riley can do the the illustrations. That's true. She's a wonderful uh, artist. Run Disney race host Riley Claremont, who will join us on this podcast as we get closer to Wine and Dine, has uh, has taken up painting as the uh, his new job uh, as house husband, uh, which he'll, I'm sure he'll talk about. And yeah, that's right. He could do. I'm I'm going to do a, a short story, and Riley will do the uh, the illustrations. I'll probably have to self publish. So I will say that probably more than likely. 
I can't help you on that. It's not a sport book. I'm, you know, uh, but uh, thank you to Myra Meyer. Thank you to Jeff Galloway for making this happen. And thank you uh, to all of you for the support of Run, Walk, Eat, available now. And John, I have a copy for you. I just need to tell me how you'd like me to uh, inscribe it. Uh, I would like it inscribed to the, the three. person who's most inspired me in my lifetime. <laughs> to eat better. I'm talking. Because I don't want to grow up. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, man. First, uh, have you ever run far enough to need nutrition? And now it's like the man who inspired me to not be like I him. Well, I've always joke. said it, I, and I'll say it again, that uh, I am the before picture in a gym ad. I'm there for Run Disney Weekends for those of you who are like, uh, I don't know if, I can, if I'm in good enough shape. Well, look at this guy. Finished a 5K, committed to a 10K, so... Who knows? By the time I'm, uh, I'm a, I'll, I'll be sixty next year. By the time I'm seventy, I might be in moderately decent shape. Here's to hoping. Yeah, well, your wife too. Crossed. She's hoping. Too. I'm just kidding. Crossed. Yeah, get us that bio, John. By the way, people, pe- everybody's been asking. Every, I'm just kidding. I think Weston did make one up. It's somewhere. Uh, you'll have to find Ooh. it for you. Yeah, he made. If one up if you make you. one up, could you have me as the Academy Award winning screenwriter of Doctor Zhivago? Because I'd really I'd dig that. Just okay. throw one in there. Yeah. Throw one in there that's not true. Three to see true, if people two actually truths read and a it. lie. There we yes, go. Yes, exactly. in the bio. Well, uh, thank you. Thank you, John, for letting me share this special moment. And now uh, let's get back on to the first guest that was so nice. We had to have him on twice. Here's a little bit more about Chris Twiggs and Run Disney Pacing. Okay, civilians, it's time for the goods. Let's get on to the interview. As Carissa mentioned, you wear a lot of hats, Chris. You're a Renaissance man. Former chess champion. I'm sticking with that story now that you've told me you were uh, good up there in Duval County in, in, in the chess competitions. But uh, let's talk about your role with the pace groups now. What is it? What it is you actually do? Yeah. So I, I have the, the good fortune of being able to coordinate the pacers uh, for the Run Disney events. Um, which is just, it's a, it's fantastic to get to do that. Um, because Jeff Galloway is the official training consultant for Run Disney, they decided years ago that it would make a good idea that for the Pacers to be using his Run Walk Run method. If it's good enough for us to tell people on the website that here's how to train and this is the best way to run it, then let's make sure that they can practice that out there on the course. So I, I line up who the Pacers are going to be. Uh, what corrals they're going to be in, leading what paces and tell them what run-walk ratios to use. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I kind of, we, we get to treat, we, we do this for a few other races. Galloway has a few other races that we coordinate pacers for, including Jeff's own half marathon um, up in Atlanta in March. And we kind of see marathon weekend in January as like our Super Bowl. This is where we bring the best pacers that we can possibly get, the most reliable, the most popular. And uh, and sometimes we bring in people. We've had the pacing coordinator for the London Marathon, for example, uh, ran as one of our pacers back in January. And, um, and so we have the opportunity to kind of showcase what we do and, and and sometimes with people that are helping out in other big races, they, they kind of get to see how run walk works and how well it helps people get to the finish line. 
I will say it's so helpful to run a race being a Galloway runner that has run walk pacers because not every race in the world has them. So the first marathon I ever did was Donna in Jacksonville. They had them. And then when I come to run Jeff's race, like it, it just changes it because you don't have to think. And a lot of times that question is how fast do I need to run when I'm running to hit my pace? And if you have the pacer there, uh, you just know that. But for someone who's listening to this, Chris, and is totally new to run Disney, they're coming to their first race. Uh, how and why should you run with a pace group? Well, how you should run with a pace group is you find them in the starting corral. You'll walk over close to them and uh, you run when they run. You walk when you walk, when they walk and you finish when they finish. Um, it's really simple. Basically, you get to t- turn your brain off and just follow, which is fun, especially if you're choosing a pace that's challenging for you. Uh, it's hard to run a pace that's challenging for you and also be in charge of how fast you're supposed to be going right now and how long you're supposed to be walking right now and all of those things. So when you're running with a pace group, you get to turn that part of your brain off and just follow and have fun and listen. And some of the pace groups, some of the pacers have games that they play with the with the pace groups and trivia questions that they throw out, and lots of things that they do to kind of distract people from the fact that they're working hard. Uh, so that's that's the how. Uh, and, and the why is I, I think there are two or three good reasons. Um, one, as you said, if you're using run walk in a race that doesn't have run walk pacers, you can feel a little bit singled out. You can feel a little bit awkward. And sometimes you can get trampled when you're taking those walk breaks and things like that. And you so, have that weird leapfrog thing that happens to you where like midway through somebody goes, I- I'm going to try this next time because you'll you'll walk back. And then you'll pass them and then you'll walk back and then you pass them, which I just said could be entertaining, but it also is challenging because you're trying to, you know, have that course etiquette alone. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You get that all the time. Right. And definitely, like you said, by, by two thirds of the way through the race, they're asking you, okay, what, what exactly are you doing? <laughs> and, and can I join? Cause you're can walking I- and they're not. And they were like, wait, I want to, I want to take that yeah. walk break. And they, you can. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, that's fantastic. So when you're with the pace group, you don't have as much of that because you're, you're part of that wave that's going through. Um, and then there's a, there's a real serious energy in that pace group that can carry you to a finish that you might not be able to to push yourself to get. Um, the first time I qualified for Boston was at the Disney marathon using a pace group. Now this was prior to Galloway providing the pacers. Um, and so the pacers there were not using run walk. And so what I opted to do, I caught up with the pace group at, uh, 15 or 16 miles into the race. And I cut out the walk breaks once I caught the pace group, cause I was so anxious about losing contact with that pace group that I just I just held on to them, and and got my got my time uh, to qualify, and um, so it's it's there's that power that energy of knowing when you're with these pacers they're going to finish on time. This is not a challenging even if you are going, you know, so much faster than you've ever run for that distance. The pacers it's not faster than it. most of those pacers. In fact, all the pacers can go at least half an hour faster um, in, in the marathon, probably an hour faster in the marathon um, than what they're pacing. And in the half marathon, it's it's 20 to 30 minutes that they're slowing down by. So it's not a challenging pace for them. Um, the only reason they're there as pacers is to help you get the time. And so it's nice. It's comforting to know these people know what they're doing. I just stick with them and I'm going to get this finish time. Uh, so it's 
it's great. So there's power in the group, there's energy in the group, and then there's safety in the group in terms of when you take those walk breaks. Well, what, if any, is the most common misconception? Maybe you hear from people who haven't chosen to run with a pace group or just uh, curious about it. I think one of the misconceptions is that, uh, well, some people, <laughs> I've heard this from from some run Disney announcers even, there's this idea that the pacers just run as fast as they want until they get close to the finish and then they slow down and they walk toward the finish line so that they finish <laughs> on time. Um, and so I, we get a lot of questions about, well, are you negative splitting? Are you running faster at the beginning? Are you, are you going slower at the beginning and then picking up? What's the, what's the plan? Uh, what we do as Galloway Pacers is we run even splits as much as we can. So as much as we can, we try to make every mile the same pace. Now, Disney races have a challenge because we're running through the Disney parks and there are bottlenecks that happen sometimes through the Disney parks or even sometimes there's that bottleneck that happens as you leave Magic Kingdom heading heading back toward um, Animal Kingdom. There's that bottleneck as you go past the Grand Floridian and the Polynesian because you're down to one lane. And so our pacers, especially Marathon Weekend, are people that have run those courses before. They know where those bottlenecks happen. So they will adjust pace maybe to get a little bit in the bank before they get to those bottlenecks, knowing that they're going to lose some time and then hopefully not losing so much time that they have to really push later on. So there's a lot of art mm -hmm. that goes into where to run, how to run as pace groups and um, holding a stick. It's very, I wouldn't want to run with a stick yeah. or a lightsaber or an well, umbrella. No, I just, flag, I, I can't even hold my phone. So <laughs> the stick holding, I find very, very daunting. Well, you know, I've run as a pacer um, the last couple of years. I've run as a pacer at the London Marathon, and they give us backpacks uh, with flags attached to the backpack. And that seems like a great idea because your hands are free. It seems great until you have to go into the porta potty. Ooh. You have to go into the porta potty. It's, it's complicated when you're wearing that backpack um, with the flag on it. So yeah. at least if I'm carrying the flag, I've got my pace partner there. I can hand the flag to my partner. They keep the group going. I duck into the porta potty. I come back out. I catch up. It's a lot easier. Um, that's the other question we get: is what do you do? What do you do if what's a pace group do if we um, if we have to stop and go to the bathroom? Well, the group's not going to wait for you. So <laughs> you've got to anticipate where those porta potties are going to be. Which sometimes is harder. Those porta potties are not always in the same spot every race, right? I and sometimes there's a line and then like, you're like, oh, I got to go, but I'm not going to wait in that line. I'm going to wait for the next exactly. one and the next one. And exactly. So if you see that big bank of porta potties coming up, the best thing to do is to is to move ahead, run ahead of the pace group a little bit so that you've got a little bit of an advantage by the time they get there. Hopefully you get in, you do your stuff, you come out and then take take your time catching up to that group. Don't sprint to catch that group right away, but give yourself a mile or so. Because you can on the big stretches, especially when you're out on the on the road, you can see that pace group half a mile away. So let yourself gradually catch up with that pace group. A good way to do that is just to cut your walk break short by like five seconds. Um, and you can do that if you're using the Galloway timer that beeps. If you wait until the beeping is done before you start your walk, 
but then you start your run immediately at the beginning of the next set of beeps, you're gaining about five seconds each one of those walk breaks. And so use that technique so that you gradually catch yourself up to that pace group. And then once you're back in the fold of that pace group, you've got that that energy that keeps you together again. I'm just picturing the groups running and somebody going, can I stop for the bathroom here? And the pacer yelling, you should have gone before we left. It's like the family (laughs) vacation. Why didn't you go before we left? Just, uh, I don't even know if this is an easy question to answer, but is is being a pacer difficult? Is it a difficult thing to do? And do you have to be kind of built to do it? Yes, you do. You have to be built to do it. Um, For one thing, we've all got friends that will say, um, when you talk about what pace you run, whatever it is, even fast people have friends that do this. You talk about what pace you're running for a particular run and it's, oh, it hurts me to run that slow. I can't run that slow. (laughs) Um, first of all, those people are jerks when they say that, but, (laughs) but there are some runners that, that really either it's either it's a personality thing or physiologically, it really is hard for them to run a slower pace. They've Mm kind of just got one pace that they run. And so asking people to slow down by a lot, by half an hour to an hour to slow down, um, that's tough Mm -hmm. for some folks. And some people just do not have that talent. So um, that makes it hard to be a pacer. Also, all that stuff that I was saying about how when you're running in a pace group and you can turn off your brain and you don't have to worry about how fast you're running, you don't worry about when to run or when to walk or any of those things. Guess who is worrying about all (laughs) that stuff? The pacer is worrying about all that stuff. And um, when I'm pacing, I've got two watches. I've got a Galloway timer tucked into one of my watches. Um, I've got the flag that has the paces and has the splits on it. Um, I'm, and I'm checking all of those things all the time. Uh, so it is stressful. It is really stressful to be a pacer, especially for a marathon because you get tired. Even if you're going slower than you could, you can get tired toward the end of a marathon. And, um, the most stressful mile of any marathon as a pacer is that last mile, because if I'm 10 seconds too fast at mile 12, I've got 14 miles to slow myself down to the right pace. Or if I'm three seconds too slow at, at mile 20, I've got six miles to make up those three seconds. But if I hit mile 20, you know, 25 or 26 uh, or 13 and a half marathon, if I, if I hit that last mile, you know, 12 going to the last mile and I'm off by a little bit, I've got no other opportunities. I've got to fix this problem in this last mile because we really try to nail it. We really do. Mm-hmm. And as you guys have seen, um, I, I tend to lead the first group, especially on half marathon weekends. And we try very hard. If we're leading that 145 group, we want to cross under the clock at 14500. We want it to be perfect. Now, all the other groups that are behind us, they're running based on chip time which means they're going based on what's on their watch, not based on what's on the finish line clock. And we do but, say that. Yeah. So people, so the spectators oh, yeah. were like, Hey, they're right. That clock's not they're their right. clock. <laughs> they're half they're an hour right. behind that first group, which is what the clock is. Yeah. Cause it took them that long to get to the start. Right. Line. Exactly. But we realized running from Corral a we've maybe got, I think the most we've ever had is about 10 seconds difference 
between the clock and the chip. And so when we're that close, we might as well, might as well try to nail that. And we tell the people we're running with, like, we're going to try to finish. So, you know, we're, we've got a 10 second stagger. So if you finish within 10 seconds behind me, you still got that time, but we really want that finish line photo of us under the clock at zero, zero. That's what we're looking for. And, um, and that's stressful. It's, it's a fun kind of stress, but it's stressful. Yeah, and you guys do an awesome job. And I know there are some familiar faces that we see uh, pacing. I know you and Mark up front, and we know Cece, yeah. and we know some of the other ones. But I have been at the Galloway booth on a race weekend for very limited amounts of time. But I, in that time, have heard, well, I want to be a pacer, or how do I get to be a pacer? So I'm just going to ask you that question so you can give us your answer, because it's not an easy thing. And you have a great field of pacers that we work with a lot because they're great at what they do. Yeah. And, and we do, we do get people all the time that come up and some, sometimes, sometimes that results in people being good pacers um, where I can, if you come up and, and you say, Hey, I've got a, um, I've got a two thirty marathon PR and, uh, and I use run walk and I love Disney and I'm here every, every race weekend anyway. Uh, then yeah, there's a very good chance I'm going to use. You. I mean, there's, that's, that's amazing time, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. But if you come up, yeah. But if you come up and you say I'm a five hour marathoner and, um, and I don't use run walk, but I'm willing to learn. And if, if I get the sense that what you're looking for is a free entry into a Disney race, <laughs> that's not, you know, that's not the, the person that I'm looking for as a pacer. Right. Um, we want somebody who is, Hopefully my, my preference is somebody who's already using run walk. Um, and so I don't have to sell them on the method and they are willing to slow down. They, they love, they're, they're just there because they want to help people. Um, that those are the people that we're really looking for. Um, occasionally we do get folks that are fast and they fit a spot that we could really use and what I tell them to do is, well, if you're not already using run walk, I need you to get out there. I need you to try it. And I need you to prove to yourself that it works. So I ask them to run a magic mile, see what that magic mile predicts for a half marathon, and then go race a half marathon using the run walk method, the run walk ratio that's on our chart and see if you can hit your goal time using that run walk and then get back with me and tell me what you think. And a couple of times we've had people do that and they get back and like, oh my gosh, I had no idea this worked. I had no idea this. And I would, that I would feel this good. And the thing is when people have had success running without walk breaks, why would you mess with success, right? If you've hit the times you want to hit, why would you mess with that? So it's hard to convince runners who are happy with their times to change to something else. It's easy to convince somebody, my son, uh, who, uh, is a fast runner. Well, both my boys are fast runners, but my oldest is a marathoner, um, and, uh, and ran just under three hours at Disney last year. And he, his first time he went under three, he had tried without walk breaks because he came up running cross country in high school and that sort of thing. Didn't think he needed walk breaks and he couldn't break through that barrier. And, and frankly, what really convinced him was when Weston Galloway went under three hours and uh, using run walk. And I finally was able to turn to my son and I'm like, look, you've tried, you tried a couple of times, you couldn't get there. So what do you have to lose? Try this method. And he did it, he succeeded. And so I think 
you know, it's that's when people are looking to be pacers, if they haven't already tried run walk, we've got to get them to try it. We've got to get them to, um, to believe in it. And I want them to have a personal story that they can tell the runners in their group about how run walk has helped them in their running. And maybe it's getting a PR, maybe it's qualifying for Boston, or maybe it's just, I could recover. I could play with my kids the next day after that race. And I'd never been able to do that before. Um, so I still want people to come up if they really think they'd be good pacers. I still want them to come up and talk to me. Um, we all the time we're looking for more Galloway pacers. There's a very good chance that the first time they run as a Galloway pacer, it's not going to be at a Disney race. There's a very good chance that it's going to be at another smaller marathon or half marathon that we're supporting just so that they can get the opportunity to do it with another Galloway, an experienced Galloway pacer, try it out basically prove that it's right, right fit for them. And then if it is, and I get good reviews about that pacer, then yeah, there's a good chance that we'll make them uh, part of our team at Disney. Yeah. Got to, got to, got to, got to start triple a before you go to the major leagues. So, That's kind. Triple uh, a is kind. Yeah. Okay. Single a got to start single a, single a club ball, AAU, whatever it is, got to start on the, on the lower level. And kick I understand, ball. you know, ball. I started kickball. Yes, exactly. And I understand competitive runners, high school and college look at run, rock, run, and it's counterintuitive to think you could actually do better with that. But uh, the proof, as they say, is in the pudding. All right, Chris, thank you so very much. This has been such a great discussion. And I'm sure down the line, we're probably going to talk to you again, either pre or post run Disney race. Uh, but thanks for taking a few minutes with us. My pleasure. Uh, congratulations on the success of the podcast. Uh, you know, we all love to hear you folks go on and on at the finish line, uh, sometimes having to tap dance and figure out what to say during those <laughs> dull moments. It's always fun. And uh, so I've enjoyed hanging out with both of you today. Thank you. We'll see you soon. We'll talk to you down the line, Chris. Thanks, man. Thanks so much. See you in November. Well, thanks, Chris, so much. We look forward to seeing you at Wine and Dine. And if you want to chat with Chris or Jeff or even Barb Galloway about Pacers and everything Galloway related, you can find them, as always, at the Expo. Yeah, and we hope you guys enjoyed this little bonus episode. If you have questions, want more bonus episodes, or want to share your story, let us know. Email us at 321gopodcast at gmail.com and on Instagram at 321gopodcast. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>